is a podcast that I started with the idea of having conversations on a variety of topics, trying to do a deep dive, um, maybe knowing something about the person, maybe not. Um, One of my guilty pleasures is um, Criminal Minds and the team at the BAU, and they always profile a serial killer or an an unsub by the fact that they usually start in a geographical location that's comfortable to them. So I I do do that. So I am using friends and family and friends of friends and Facebook friends, folks who are basically in my sphere at first to interview and have some conversations. Because I've always been curious about, um, you know, where people come from, what their interests are. And I get really jazzed about talking to someone who's really enthusiastic about a subject that maybe I know a little bit about, maybe I know nothing about. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with my different guests. And um, please feel free to comment, send questions, um, or send suggestions for guests that you think might be interested uh, to be on Hi Felicia. Will you tie before I tell you? This is my podcast. This is Hi Felicia. I am your host, Felicia Ryan. My guest today is someone I know, I would say pretty well. Um, her name is <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> her name is Lisa McColgan, and uh, she is um, a friend. She is my landlord. I am her Ethel, and she is the Lucy. And um, I'm going to give you her little her bio, which I like because it's very brief if I can find it. Lisa, would you sing for me while I find this bio here? <laughs> no. Okay. She's like, no. Well, no, I mean, because I've got these headphones on in front of this microphone, and it's it's, it's making me feel like Davy Jones in, in that Brady Bunch episode. <laughs> Girl, look what you've done to me. See, and she sings too. Yeah. Okay, here's Lisa's bio. Writer, database geek, Abongasera. She is dyspeptic, peevish, and crotchety before her time. She's sober as fuck. Contents may have settled during shipping. She also wrote questions, ask me, ask me, ask me, which I left in there because I feel like you are someone who, whenever we've had a conversation, you're 
frank and open and honest, and that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have on, have you on my podcast today. Well, thanks. I'll try to be frank and open and honest. And if uh, we stray into any territory that you are comfortable with, you can just tell me to back the fuck off. Yeah, sure. <laughs> in that, in, in just those words? Yes. Well, we, we can swear on here since it's public access, but, All you right. know. Well, we don't that's wanna, good. We don't want to go crazy. Oh, okay. So, um we didn't really have a specific topic in mind. We were going to kind of run the gamut today. So I was going to say, you know, let's talk a little bit about origin stories because you and I have some similar things about us. We are married to – well, I'm not married yet, but we're in that process hopefully. Um, we are in relationships with North Shore men. Yes. And we live in Malden, but we are actually from the South Shore. It's true. It's true. South Shore represent. And uh, we both have red hair, and we both went to Emerson. That's true. Now, did you go for undergrad or graduate? Graduate. Okay, then we both got masters from from Emerson. We're both Emerson Mafia. There you go. Have you actually ever benefited in any way, shape, or form from being Emerson Mafia? I have. I've benefited from both my institutions in ways that um, I found surprising and also... I was very thankful for um, Emerson. If I send them in any of my updates, they always print it in the newsletter. Wow. (laughs) I I don't think I've ever even bothered. I'm like, yeah, I'm uh, writing in my blog. (laughs) I'm in a B-52s tribute band. I've really done well by by that that degree. I have actually gone to some of their – they will offer um, movie screenings, like advanced movie screenings for okay. folks who have um, – who are part of Emerson's network and have created some sort of crazy film. The one that I went to, a fr- I invited a friend of mine who always goes to cultural events and both of us were like, yeah, sure, why not? It's free. Oh, no. And we went to see um, – Was it about like a serial killer or something? <laughs> no, it was. Because that would have been awesome. It was the – okay, it was the retelling of – not Jane Eyre, not Sense and Sensibility. Oh God! Oh, one of those, but it was zombie related. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, like yeah. Um, so the sisters were trained in the art of. Martial I know arts. which one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pride and Prejudice with zombies. Yes, Is that it? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was the loudest fucking movie I've ever been to. Wow. And we were both like, like there was. There's like I can I can hang with the zombies, but like I actually like zombies. I like her. Oh, there's sure. a lot of gratuitous head ch- chopping off and mm, see that doesn't yeah that doesn't bother me that doesn't bother me. But that's that's a topic for my own podcast eventually. Are you thinking it might have something horror? related? Oh, it will absolutely be horror related. I've I've got like the first three episodes all planned out. That's awesome. I think that you would be an awesome podcaster, and I'm. It was always in the back of my mind that maybe if you came to the studios and saw the glamour that is MATB, the, yeah, this is a really, really high end, glamorous, glamorous studio. I have to say. Did it's, you ever see that our holiday greeting, the Goodwin Ryan featuring Arnie the dog? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I it did. was high. It was like yeah, it was perfect, wasn't yeah. it? It was like someone said, were you trying to make it look like an SNL skit? And I was like, <laughs> no, actually, we were not. I, I'm enjoying this this velvet painting that, that we're looking at here, this still life with. I can't believe they don't have a velvet. I have a velvet. I, I actually think it's down in the basement now. 
It was it was in our it was in our um, it was in our practice space for a while. My brother uh, in college had I think three or four velvet Elvises. He and his roommates. My sister and I bought that Velvis out of the back of a truck in the Dairy Queen parking lot. It was the Dairy Queen like in Weymouth on oh, yeah. Route 3A. No, actually, there was that, a truck. That, that's Quintree. Quintree. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. That no, is Weymouth. That is that, Weymouth. That's still Weymouth. Yes. Listen, I know. Um, but it was it was a, it was a <laughs> this random truck. And and we were like driving by it, and my sister was like, "Holy shit! There's velvet Elvises and there's velvet paintings. We got to see if there's a velvet Elvis back there." So yeah, we like did pulled a Yui, and uh, and that's yeah. I bought that. I bought that velvet Elvis. I I don't even. I've had it for like ages. I'm pretty sure I had it hanging in the bathroom of the place that I lived in my senior year in college. I mean, oh I think God. I've had it that long. And it's been like, because I mean, almost every bathroom I've had on my own, um, my own personal bathroom has had like something to do with Elvis in there. And not not because like I'm a huge Elvis fan, but because, you know, he died on the toilet. So it's lovely that you memorialize him by to memorialize him, but you know, and I'm sure you'll get some Elvis fans like, you know, how dare you? How dare you? Like, he died on the toilet. He would even find it funny. So did he think he di- Like, I don't know, like, technically, but do you think he died because he was so opioid, opio- opioid constipated that he had the heart attack when he was trying you know, to squeeze it out? That's, or? that's you know, it, it's it's possible. You know, it, it's possible because those opiates do, they do block, they, they bind you up. And that's the, that's what happens. It's more men that have that issue than women. Uh-huh. I guess they have, there's more men that have heart attacks. Got on the it. toilet than there is women. Oh, okay. Uh, that's good to know. But you know how you avoid those things? You don't abuse drugs, hopefully. Right. You get some regular fiber and you buy yourself a squatty potty. Oh, those little stools that you put around. I have one. Toilet. It's awesome. I, I need to get one. I'm all about one. like um, helpful poop because I have shy bowels. And it's like one of the. I do. What? I have really shy bowels. Shy bowels. So like, like that. Does that mean like if somebody else is in the house, you can't yes. like poop? Oh. Yes. You know what? I kind of have that too. Like if if I'm on like like when I've been on like business trips and oh, stuff, yes. like conferences, I can't. Yes. Take a shit. No. Like even if I have like the hotel room to myself, no. I cannot poop until like the end of the conference so yes. like any of my friends who've been to the testature conference with me it's a software that i used to use if anyone um you know is wondering like yeah i i, I would be yeah i would poop like the first day that i got to the hotel and then like i seriously would not poop until like the last day of the conference yeah no, it, I, I've always right, had to have right. tra- so travel strategies. So bowels. you have to – I carry some a little bit of medication. I always make sure that wherever that I'm going, I like I just pound the water as much as I can. Hmm. I make sure the first breakfast I have is like as fiber-filled as possible. I usually end up taking something. Well, see, and that's the other thing too is that the hotel conference – conference hotel food is like – 
Yeah, I mean, it's a like car bomb. It's a car, you know, and it's just like you know, like tables and tables full of like food, and and you're just like, all right, and you're just shoveling it on, and it's just, yeah, I, I, that's probably has something to do with it too. I mean, they always give you salad, but you know, I don't do hotel salad. Who wants to eat hotel? Salad? I don't want hotel salad. No, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, I'll eat like the potatoes and 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 everything else, but like I won't eat a hotel salad. I. Yeah. You have shy bowels. I have shy bowels. I, I guess I need to eat the hotel salad. And um, the other good thing that is for good for irregular folks is um, some probiotics. Oh, like the poop yogurt that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is always Poop pushing. yogurt. The poop yogurt. Um, there's actual like... Activia. Activia. There's actual capsules you can take. There's one over the counter called Align that I am a fan of. Um, but I read this book because I was like... I was plagued by what's wrong with my bowels, <laughs> and so I read a book. Let's make that into a children's book, what's like wrong a little, with a my little, bowels? a little golden book. <laughs> what's wrong with my bowels? Let's find out and see. <laughs> and I can't really poop, but I sure can pee. <laughs> and what? Why is it so uncomfortable in me? <laughs> So I was just like, what's wrong with me? And I read this book, and it had an awful title, which I can't remember. It's Oh, I know what it's called, Gut Bliss, which I was like, I already hate this book, but someone suggested it. It was written by a – Are they all about essential oils too? No. There's an oil for that, hon. It was a. It was very no nonsense. It was um, so it had a terrible title, but it was written by a gastroenterologist. Right. She talked a lot about how female physiology is different because your intestines are, you know, working their way around all kinds of other organs that men don't have, hmm. like the uterus, and um, and it's just more complicated. We also sort of have. I don't know if we have more intestine, but we have intestine that goes around more things. So there's more sort of kinks and knots in it. Hmm. And uh, you, you could have a variety of issues like you're, you could be a slow digester. You could be uh, someone who has like just a little bit more or less of the good flora and fauna in your intestine. So you need <laughs> help with it. Flora <laughs> and fauna. <laughs> I have like a Disney movie going on in my colon. And like, you know, or maybe you have shy bowels, which is like a real thing. Okay. It's a No, I mean, as soon as you, when when I I thought, oh, shy bowels, that's stupid. But then I thought, yeah, I know, every time I go to a conference. In the and everybody yeah. other than the westernized, uh, advanced, not even advanced, like first world countries, everyone else poops in a normal position that's like squatting and low to the ground. Mm-hmm. Because we don't do that, there's yeah. like muscles and stuff that actually constrict our. our so why don't America? Like, oh, I mean, that's a whole other thing. Like you know, Americans and toilets and bathroom habits and and all of that. I'm sure it's you know because like you know. <laughs> We don't have bidets. I mean, we do, but like, you know, not every house that I've ever been in has has a bidet. Like, we just we our, wouldn't even know what that is. Our though. bathroom a lot of habits don't even are just know what that is. yeah. It's it's like a it's like a refreshing shower for your butt. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you go into hotels in other countries, and you've got. You know, the bidet and the toilet, or mm-hmm. sometimes the toilet that has the bidet that pops up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's miraculous. It's and, a little shocking at first. And we just don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's that's probably somebody's thesis. 
I will see somewhere on the internet. If I ever wanted a um, a sponsor, excuse me, <clears throat> I could always get the Squatty Potty in on this podcast because I love talking about poop and Squatty Potty. So. Uh, yeah, I need a Squatty Potty now, clearly. Plus, their commercials are fantastic. Yeah. Because they have the um, rainbow unicorn pooping on things. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Have you seen the uh, Toilet Golf? You know, what's that catalog? The Lillian Ver- Vernon catalog? It's like just full of like weird random. Yes, there's a f- there's a fishing and they one have that like I almost bought for someone. golf where you can like yeah. I'm just like, man, if you were on the toilet long enough to like play golf, like, the, ugh. I, I mean, you know, you're also getting you're also that's a that's a one way ticket to hemorrhoids right there. I don't. I'm just like. I, but I would do it. You know, I would have potty golf just like if I had like a party and, and people, you know, because people get people get weird about your bathrooms and I would I would just have it in there. They go searching for things. They go mean? searching for things. That's why you should always like put ping pong balls in your medicine cabinet, like fill your medicine cabinet with ping pong balls. Wow. And then if somebody opens your medicine cabinet. There you go. You catch them. You catch them. Like, well, what? Why? Why on earth would you need to go through my medicine cabinet? Why would? Why would you do that? Because they're sleuthing. They're sleuthing. Listen, I'm an open book. You know, everybody knows what drugs I'm on. <laughs> everybody. <laughs> like, here, here are all my antidepressants and antipsychotics. Well, you don't keep those in there. the bathroom anyway. I don't though. keep those in yeah. the bathroom. I don't. We've got a. Um, as you well know, a tween now, and she spends, I would say, a good hour in the bathroom now. Oh, Kevin spends easily that, that <laughs> much time in the bathroom. I find that he, unusual. He primps, like, like, yeah, he's got his whole shower shaving routine. He puts on WBZ in the morning, and and it's this whole thing. I mean, I have, I have my own, like, you know, I have my office slash boudoir. We turned the guest, what was the second bedroom, into uh, my office slash. It's got my dressing table with my, you know, nine million pounds of makeup. And so, you know, I I do all of that stuff in there. I, I don't do that in the bathroom. Do you, you're a really good makeuper. Do you have, um, is it a, sh- for you, is it a shopping thing? Like, how did you get into makeup? Well, I got into makeup. I mean... My my mom never. I mean, my mom would wear it, you know. But she was more like, you know, you go out with your eyebrow pencil and you know your your lipstick. And and I think um, being in theater sort of got me into makeup and what makeup could do. But I mean, certainly, you know, by the time I was in junior high. Everybody, and it was the, you know, early 80s, so everybody had, you know, the garage door eyelids, just like one color, like blue. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was experimenting a little bit with, with makeup then, but it probably wasn't until I was in high school and, and was starting to go full goth that, you know, I started really playing around with makeup. But you have really nice skin, though, too. So, like, you're not trying to... For you, it was more like accentuate or effect or whatever. It wasn't I mean, really I'm trying not to necessarily cover trying to cover anything up. Yeah. It's just, it's just you know, playing with my face, really. Doing You're good it. at it. Well, thank you. Thank I you. admire it's it. It's fun. I am terrible. I'm like never been a really good makeup or like I... Well, nobody is at, at first. I mean, nobody is. That's why you just, you go and you buy the stuff and you just play around with it. 
I forget I have it, and then I open it, and it smells funny, and I yeah, throw it away. yeah, no, that's no, that's no good. I have so many palettes, though. Palettes are like bad palettes because they're they're like candy. I'm like I already have like all of these shades, but it's just like oh, but but this one is all sparkly. Yeah, it's bad. It's I bad. I can remember my mom always had always to this day, even in her craziness, has um, always used lipstick always been a lipstick person right um she never did anything to her eyebrows um she wasn't really an eye makeup person but she always had really nice lipstick she usually had really good perfume and Mm. really nice nails and there wasn't much beyond that so i think for me i never really like i played with eyeshadow because of course i grew up in the 80s as well so Mm -hmm. i would do like you know that. Do you do like the, the nagel, the stripy nagel yes. thing? Like so yes. you look like you look like the, the cover of a Duran yes. Duran record. Yeah. Yes, one of the yeah. nicest compliments I ever got was someone said you look like a nagel, and I was like, <laughs> success. Ooh, yes. That, that or someone told me at a party I look like Gina Davis, and I was like, <laughs> wow. I got yes. Gina Davis. Thank you. I get Molly Ringwald a lot. Yeah, no, my hair was never as nice as Molly's. Mine was always like raggedy and red, and or I had really curly hair too. Right. So no, yeah, my hair would never like do what I wanted it to do. That's why I kept it short when I was in high school. I had a major girl crush on Molly. Major. Still kind of do. Hmm. I don't know if I never had a crush on her. I always liked Ali Sheedy's role in in The Breakfast Club, like you know. Shaking the dandruff on her, like she drawing that beautiful wintry scene, and then like shaking the dandruff all over it. That movie pissed me off though, because like you know, then she gets the makeover, and and you know, then only then can like wrestler bro like admit that he likes her. Yeah, I'm like that. What that is some bullshit. It's true. That is some bullshit. I think though, <clears throat> and this will be my only caveat or explanation obviously you can feel free to disagree Mm. i think i remember feeling the same way like like that was her thing like her look was her thing however the makeup or the makeover or the whatever the transformation i thought felt like it was out of character but it was also more about making her accessible Mm -hmm. now did she have to have different eye makeup and hair for someone to see that but perhaps that was the like that was the in inroad for a bro guy to like her. Although those two that in terms of appearing was stupid anyways, but Yeah, I you know. So but but even then, you know, even though she had like the little the little lace thing pulling her hair out of her face and you know, she had nice lipstick on and all of that. But you know, even at the end she tears the letter off of her jacket. So I mean I she like wasn't, that. you know, she was still a badass. But I really like that. Yeah. <clears throat> how one of the I don't know if I've ever asked you this. How did you and Kevin meet? Oh, okay. So I actually well, because uh, here's another fun fact that you know your fiance and my husband were in a band together mm-hmm. for a very long time, and so I met. Um, and the name of the band at the time was Miles Death Muffin. And so I had worked with two people in Miles Death Muffin, Linda and Ad in um, Boston Rock Opera. So I knew them before I knew Kevin. And so, um, 
you know, so I I liked their band and 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 all of that. And this is you know like mid nineties, you know, ninety five, I guess ninety four, ninety five. I was living in Alston because, of course, everybody has to live in Alston. I I lived in Alston. Yeah, everybody has to do a stint. (laughs) Everybody has to do their stint in Alston. And so I was living in Alston with a friend of mine, and she had a zine because, you know, back in the days before everybody had podcasts, everybody had had zines. (laughs) I had a zine. Yep. She had a zine. What was the name of it? Uh, the name of her zine was Rats, on, Rats Live on No Evil Star. And then my zine was Danger Prone Daphne. Um, and my copies of my zine are like in some like, you know, national like zine library in oh, some that's university. Cool. Yeah, so I, was I, it black and white? Um yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, pretty pretty bare bones. But, like, yeah, somebody just, like, turned over their whole, like, zine collection to some university. And so it's, like, I think it was, like, you know, because so I was looking through the list and it was, like, you know, Lisa McColgan, Danger Prone Daphne, and then Lisa Suckdog, <laughs> Roller Derby. Like, so if you knew, like, Lisa Suckdog or Roller Derby, like, the, that that was just some crazy, insane, wonderful uh, stuff. And... I'm actually friends with Lisa Suckdog, and I, I think I mentioned it. I'm like, you know, I just like the idea of, like, your zine and my zine, you know, together in some basement in some university. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, so so point being, like, before there were podcasts, there were zines. And so she um, was going to interview uh, Miles Deathmuffin for her zine, and we went to Boston Beer Works, I think, to do the interview. And... That's when I met Kevin, and um, yeah, just sparks flew. I guess was he charming? Oh yeah, well you know he's always charming. Yes, he's always charming. I mean he's he's a lot more dapper now than he was then. Oh yeah, I can see that. He's, he's very dapper. He's very Anglophile, like with you know the way the way he carries himself. Yeah. Um, but yeah. That's, yeah, so that was like 95 or 96, I guess. My um, my parents, my dad is very hard of hearing, so when he um, meets someone, he doesn't quite always get their name. And then he um, probably gets about maybe a quarter of the conversation. But I think the time that there was a cookout at the house, they met you and, and Kevin. Mm-hmm. And my dad will always say, how is the professor and his wife? <laughs> Because he likes Kevin. Well, I, he does. He, he he has this very professorial way about him, and he and he was actually teaching at Northeastern. Right. Um, I just like that my dad. My dad the didn't meet him. and his wife. <laughs> my dad, my, well, what, what's her know, name? I don't know that they had an extended conversation with you. Yeah. Well, because so, I was in the I was in the living room with Barbara Tolstrup like, that's the right. whole time. That's right. But I love that my dad thinks that he's a professor, and then I'm in. When he first said that, I'm thinking, who the heck is he thinking of? Because, and then I thought, did he meet Kevin when he was wearing a bow tie? Is that why he thinks he's a professor? And then I was uh, like, that's just oh, his vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. just his vibe. That fits. It yeah. fits. Yeah. Believe me, my dad um, has many fine qualities, and sometimes he surprises me with the stuff that he knows. But as he's gotten older, um, my parents are very, very generous with me. He will hand me a blank check mm-hmm. and, and just say, fill it out. And I'll be like, so I asked him last time, like, why are you doing that? Like, why aren't you writing my name on it? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, 
I figured you'd change it. And I'm like, I haven't gotten married yet, and I'm not changing my name. Yeah. Like, don't tell me you don't I know my still, last name. We still get, like, because I never changed my last name. And for some reason, like, just people in my family, in my extended family, they just – they, I get, like, you know, Kevin and Lisa Coombs – Kevin McColgan hyphens. I'm just like, it's <laughs> Kevin Coombs and Lisa McColgan. It's I, okay that it's, we have different it's, names. It's okay. I didn't change my name. I'm, let's I'm, all hold hands and talk about it. Let's all, yeah, yeah. My friends of ours uh, that I've known for a while, they're, <clears throat> when they got married in the late 80s, her last name is um, Herman, and her husband's last name was um, Leaf. So they hyphenated it. So he, he is he is William Leaf Herman. She is Sarah Leaf Herman. Okay, which is lovely. It kind of works. Sure. And so I said to Adam when when we were talking about marriage and stuff, would you consider hyphenating your name? And he was like, No, <laughs> no. I was like, He's Ryan, just not that. Ryan Goodwin is kind of nice. His sings. He doesn't eat vegetables and he doesn't hyphenate. He eats the vegetables that I sneak into things. Yeah, well, you have to puree the shit-eating fuck out of them, too, Yes, don't you? Yeah. I killed my spinach last night. I was sautéing a nice pan of spinach mm-hmm. with the idea that it would go into something, and um, I forgot about it. And then Artie alerted it to me when it was scorched and <laughs> stuck at the bottom of the pan, and I was like, darn it! Mm. But I usually put spinach in the meatballs, and I tell them it's basil. Oh, well, now he's going to listen to this and the jig's going to be up. No, he knows. He knows. He knows because right. he, he turns his nose up and like he's like, I think there are vegetables in this. And I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Huh? What? Vegetables? So where in Alston did you live when you were in, in I city? lived on Kelton Street. Mm-hmm. I lived on Kelton Street. Uh, I lived on Empire Street ah. for like 20-some-odd years. Oh, wow. That's a long time to live in Alston. Mm-hmm. I only lived in Alston for one year, and then I lived in Jamaica Plain for a long time. Yeah, I never lived in JP. I, I've, when I've been there, I've liked it, but Adam treats JP like it is. It's like China. Everybody, when, <laughs> yes. when, you, when you live – and Ad Frank has a song about uh, – on one of his solo albums, uh, like the, the and actually uh, Paula Kelly – and I sing in the background on this song. It's this lovely, sad little song. It's called The Only One I Knew in Jamaica Plain. And there's a line like, Harvard Ave is such a bother. You can catch a cab if you've got a million dollars or something like that. Like it just, like it just takes, because when, when you say like, oh, I'm, I'm having people over. And, oh, cool. Yeah, maybe I'll stop by where you live in Jamaica Plain. And you just see them like, Mentally calculating, like how they're going to get there. Like, oh my God, Jamaica Plain. It's like it's really. It's not that it's big not, of a deal. It's not that hard. It's not that big of a deal. It's not. Um, now, I, I, I was born. I was actually. Fun fact: I was actually born in Jamaica Plain. You were. I was born in Jamaica Plain at uh, at a hospital that's now called. 
the AstraZeneca Health Lodge on South Huntington. Oh my well, because my family is from, uh, you know, when when I moved back to Jamaica Plain in like '97 or something like that, and my parents were like, "Oh, you're going back to the ancestral homeland," because, um, you know, my great grandparents came over and settled. They lived on Round Hill Street. My grandparents lived on in Eggleston Square. My parents lived on Rossmore Road, um, but then all you know, in JP, all in JP, oh wow, all in JP. Um, but uh, you know, then we all moved to the Irish Riviera, um, the South Shore, and and, and Hingham or Duxbury. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, we moved to Hull first, oh, which isn't okay. quite the Irish Riviera, um, and we didn't become two toilet Irish until we moved to Hingham. You, you guys are fancy. The to- two toilet, you know, two bathrooms. That's that's a big deal. Yeah, you think you're better than everybody else. You're two toilet Irish. My mom grew up in Brighton, mm-hmm. and my dad grew up in East Boston, like one of two Irish families in a mostly Italian neighborhood. Interesting. And my dad's parents were immigrants. Um, my mom's parents, my my mom's mom went to college and had her own car. That's yeah. So, and my mom's, uh, she was raised by her. Her mom died when she was very young, but her, she was raised by her dad and her great grandmother and her no, her grandmother and her great aunt. Okay, who were these elderly sisters? One of which was a lawyer. So she had some lace curtain Irish in there, I think, mm-hmm. and um, very different ideas about what it was to be like. Irish with the finger, yeah, finger quote. Sure, there. I mean, I mean, and we're we're all Irish, right? Exactly. <laughs> like, I got my twenty three and Me results back. Um, I got a twenty three and Me quit kit for, yeah. for Christmas, and I got yeah. my twenty three, and it's all like, you are eighty six percent Irish. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a big surprise. But I mean, the thing is, it's just like, well, no, I'm I'm an American of. Irish extraction. Exactly. But, you know, there's that, like, kind of, like, bizarro, like, plastic patty, like, pride that you take in yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah. But, you know, my friends who are from Ireland are just like, yeah, no, you're not Irish. Exactly. <laughs> so you need somebody to kind of, like, smack you down a little yeah. bit. Like, come on now. My my dad was never – my dad was never really a flag waver, but he was very, like um, – I think because he grew up in a home that was was immigrant, he was very like sort of shy about discussing things and like um he was raised by a grandmother that only spoke French. Huh. And I remember my mom who came whose whose uh you know family history is mostly Irish descent. Mm-hmm. And she remember her telling me growing up like don't tell people that you have French ancestry don't tell tell them only that you're irish and i was like what (laughs) that's stupid like i'm kind of proud of that it's a little different it was like you know like the kid who'd raise his hand and be like i'm protestant and like the school that was like the diversity like who we might have a protestant in our midst oh my goodness now yeah no my 23 may results like weren't particularly interesting but yeah i mean because my my dad grew up in Jamaica Plain. Um, my mom's from Montana, so that's like that's the most exotic thing about my my background. I think is that my my dad was in the Air Force and was stationed uh, in Helena. 
I don't know if I've ever met your parents, but I know. Like, oh God! Well, I'm, I'm yeah. They're all over Facebook, or certainly yes. my mother is. <laughs> she cracks me up. <laughs> Big time. I always say, like, I could post the gnarliest, filthiest, most inappropriate thing on on Facebook, and my 82-year-old mother would be the first person to like it. And she even knows how to use, like, the little ha-ha, you know, reaction. Like, ha-ha. She's awesome. My daughter. We're on radio sometimes. We get phone oh, calls. Because it's on the table and it's, like, buzzing. We have people. Oh, it's Kevin. <laughs> Let's plug him in. Kevin, we were talking about how professorial you are. And very dapper. He he's a dapper. dapper, right? Yeah, he, yeah he's very dapper. very dapper. I think it's funny that those guys um, have known each other as long as they did. Yeah. They, um, I wonder, and this is probably a question for them, but I wonder if their relationship is the same as it was, like when they knew each other back in the day. Uh, yeah, I mean... Of a similar ilk. I mean, when we're in the car with them, we're certainly like... The, when the two of them are in the front seat and we're like in the back seat and they're just like... Dirty jokes. Carrying and on. And, and, yeah, yeah they're, they're just being dudes. Do you remember that place that we used to get pizza? Remember <laughs> when we used to smoke a lot of pot? <laughs> when didn't you smoke a lot of pot? I <laughs> just... That's like all you guys did. Oh, yeah, that's the parking lot over there. We used to, uh, we got high and did something, something. <laughs> when you go through like the, the, the Malden historical tour with Kevin Coombs and Adam Goodwin, like here's where we smoked pot. Oh, and over there, there's someplace else that we smoked pot. We should totally sell tickets to that tour of Malden. So, yeah, that's that, that's a fascinating. Yes. Like, I, I was always thinking it was just an Adam thing, and then Kevin very nicely one day uh, drove me to get a car out of Hawks oh, right. because it had been towed right, right, in right. a snowstorm the same day that Adam broke his finger and was in the hospital. Oh, yes, in the, in the, in the, in the snow thrower. In yes. the snow thrower. And I got the Kevin Coombs mini tour of yes. Malden, and I was like, oh, my God, it's not just Adam that does that. Yeah, and it was funny because he was like, Annette was my girlfriend in sixth grade grandmother's house, and this oh, yeah. was the street that such and such and yeah. da, 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 da. and yeah. I was like, oh, okay. See, I can't really, I I can't really like if if, if I were to go through Hingham, like because you know I, I don't have the family history that mm-hmm. that that Kevin does in Malden because yeah. yeah. you know that house has been in his family since since World War Two, but like yeah, you know like a tour of Hingham like would just be like. And uh, that's um, that's where I had a cast party for some show that I was in, and the guy that I had a crush on was making out with somebody, and so I sat over in the yard and cried. That's Aww. that's the Hingham tour. That's the Hingham tour. I, I wasn't nearly there. There wasn't a lot of pot smoking in my I, in my Hingham yeah, history. My <clears throat> my whole existence in Braintree, where I grew up, was about getting out of Braintree. So I don't mm. have fondness and this nostalgia for all things Braintree-related, other than we mentioned the Dairy Queen in Weymouth. Yeah. Love that Dairy Queen. Yeah, that, yeah that's a great Dairy Queen. Yeah, I have a, an odd nostalgia for Hingham just because I, I do, and, and I still have a lot of my friends from when I, you know, grew up there, like a lot of, you know, my one of my best friends is in um, my band with me, um, and I met him when I, when I was like fifteen. 
Oh, you and is it Michael? Michael. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was like he is the best friend. He really is. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. Um, so yeah, I mean, I have a strange sort of nostalgia for it, even though I was mostly miserable there. Um, yeah, I, I'm not. I, I, I'm sure you know. I could I could delve into that in in some therapy, but it's like you know, it's not one of those places like I'm never going back. I mean, I certainly I don't I don't think I, I wouldn't live there. I, plus, I couldn't afford to live there. Um, but yeah, it's it's and and I've been to a few reunions. I've been to a few of my high school reunions. And, you have. You're a brave person. Well, I mean, it's it's not even so much about bravery. I mean, like honestly, like the last one that I went to was actually this past summer. And it, when you're sober um, and you're going to these sort of things, like you know, at first it's kind of okay, but then as everybody else is getting progressively more intoxicated, it's it's not a lot of fun. And so I was on my way to the bathroom and this girl stopped me to like compliment me on my hair because of course I have fabulous hair. Um, Very fabulous. (laughs) I always have fabulous hair. Um, (laughs) And she's just like, she's looking at me, you know, and like, like that hard stare that like drunk people give you. And she's like, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm supposed to know who you are, but I just, she looks at my name tag and she's just like, I just don't have any idea who you are. <laughs> like, okay, that's cool. Um, you know, yeah, I, I'm Lisa. I, you know, I went to high school with you. Um, yeah, but I mean, it was fine. You know, the way I look at it, like, I'm I'm friends with the people that I meant to still be friends with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know, I I went to them thinking that somehow life would have evened the playing field a little bit more and, you know, we'd have more to talk about. But it really, like, you know, other than, like, the people that I've stayed friends with for 30-something years, um, it, it, it's just, yeah, they're they're just, we're just still, like, on completely different islands, yeah. even though we went yeah. to the same high school. I... So my only reason to even think about going to one of my reunions would have been curiosity. Mm-hmm. And even that really wasn't strong enough for me to like to, and like, you don't to have overcome to now because you got my, Facebook. You can right. like creep on people's profiles and see if right. they got like fat and bald. And then just like stop, <laughs> stop, <laughs> like slowly so eliminate all those people that like, you know, like there was one guy who – was sort of tormented in high school and was super excited about being part of the Facebook group and then, you know, got, again, judging from a distance, got engaged to, like, a woman overseas and it was, and it was, it just all kind of rang like, I felt like I was uncomfortably watching something kind of dysfunctional play out and hmm. and then you know well, I mean that's Facebook anyway. <laughs> right, but like every you know, day is like that on Facebook. I need I need more cat videos or something because <laughs> I just don't I don't want to watch anyone's downfall. I don't want to watch people watching someone else's downfall. Oh yeah, yeah. And I don't I wasn't close to this person and I felt I felt disingenuous liking it from a distance, even from a distance. There seemed like there were a lot of 
things that were happening that weren't, I don't know, sketchy. It mm. just seemed very sketchy. Yeah. It seemed very mail-order bride-ish as well, and I just thought, mm, hmm, not, not happy. N- didn't seem like I was coming from a pure happy place. Right. Right. And then there are other people who I've found delightful on Facebook that I went to high school with that I'm like, oh, well, they're surprising me because I remember you in the bathroom laying down on the floor because you had your period. But now you're you're quite clever in your commentary on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, and, and I've like reconnected on Facebook with people from from high school that I didn't really talk to a lot. And they've actually turned out to be very – entertaining people to engage with and 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 that's been good but i think i i think i'm just kind of done with going to the reunions yeah i think i'm kind of done i like because and this is this is entirely me like I, I didn't i didn't get the 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 dramatic reunion that you know that that i had in my head where mm-hmm. you know like and yeah yeah no and so you were thinking like a lot of folks where you'd come back and people would be like, I remember you. You were cool and we didn't pay enough attention to you. Exactly, exactly. I mean, wow. which is like t- total like <laughs> egomaniacal. Like, well, we ins- all think that though. insane. Like, or, or I wanted like somebody to like admit that they'd had a crush on me for yes. like, years and years. And like, I, I thought you were know, cool. I had such a crush on you, but I never wanted to say anything. Like, nobody had a crush on me. <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys in my Nobody. one of the guys in my class is um, Joe Pernice. So he's in a band called the, the Pernice Brothers, okay. and he wrote um, one of the books in the Thirty Three and a Third series. Oh, okay. So he was on Terry Gross because um, he's in Philadelphia or in, in the Philadelphia area now, or was at the time he was being interviewed with Terry Gross. And I was like, wow, this guy sounds really familiar. <laughs> and he's being, the interview's going along, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, wow, he sounds like he could have gone to my, my high school. And then <laughs> he keeps talking, and they're talking about the book. And I was like, wow, he's talking about someone that I went to high school with. And then I was like, Joe Pernice, wait a second. And then, so I, he and I were not direct friends, but he and I knew each other. We right. would have known each other to um, say hello to. And then when I read the 33 and a third series, <laughs> he wrote about like my Spanish teacher. He was in my Spanish class. I think I know the girl he was writing about that he had the crush on. But of course, in my mind, I was like, Pfft. Could totally be talking about me, yeah. And like, so it was like I got that satisfying experience of like replaying a high school experience where you were sort of tangentially in it. Mm-hmm. It was like somewhat famous because it was in the Thirty Three and a Third series. Well, yeah. He's written a couple of other novels that I've actually enjoyed. So, hmm. um, but that was my brush with high school. And of course, there can't be any more famousness that ha- comes out of our class than that. So. Yeah, I'm trying to think if like any like particularly major fame came out of my class, and I, yeah, I'm sure someone will correct me on that. But we actually had so I went to a, um I went to a, um 
a Catholic high school. It was co-ed. Yeah. And it was not. Did you go to Archie's? Yes. Okay. Yeah. See, because, I mean, I went to Catholic school and there were three tracks, you know, that you could, that you, you know, if, if you, if you stayed on that Catholic path, you know, you like, if you were a girl, you could go to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. If you were a boy, you could go to BC High. Mm-hmm. If you were kind of, you know, progressive, then you went to Archie's. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to any of them because I dropped out in the middle of seventh grade and went into public school. I went to Archie's. I actually enjoyed it. Okay. I, I, um, we did have a pedophile um, <laughs> priest. <laughs> well, hey, we had two in, in, in our parish. And um, St. Paul's. He was a brother. He was okay. not a priest. It's uh, not, no, no, it's no, not funny. but We it, had a brother that was a pedophile and a priest that was a pedophile. It's funny in that, of course you did, sort of way. And we knew he was pedophile at the time. Oh like there God. was like the kids knew that he was creepy. Um, and he was also someone who I had for religion class, and he hated me. And he tried to give me a D in religion. And my mother, who has always been feisty, was like, how dare you? And like, you are not giving my daughter a D in religion. This is stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, uh, one of his r- rationales was that the Bible was one of our books that we had to carry around and shove in and out of our lockers. Yeah. And he felt that I was disrespecting my Bible because he saw me throw it in my locker. Ooh. And so that was a did, re- did you have reason. one of those nice paper bag covers over your Bible? Remember making, um, those, remember making cover book covers? For my hardcover books? books, I did, but my Bible was softcover. Uh, was, was it a teen Bible? Well, no, Catholics didn't really do, like, teen Bibles. No. I feel like that was more, like, evangelical, Protestant. Yes. Like, you had, like, a pink Bible, the, the teen Bible. But, like, no, Catholics, you had, like, you know, the Bible. My Bible was akin to it looked like a dictionary. So uh, yeah. I kind of threw it around my locker, probably right. somewhat disrespectfully. But it was a book to me like any other kind of book. Um, but my, even then, like our Bible isn't isn't like the real Bible because it's not the King James version of the Bible, you know, like the, the according people, to the well, well, according to a lot of a lot of um, a lot of like Baptist sects, yes. but particularly Westboro Baptists. Like if it's not the KGV, then it's it's not the Bible. Which is funny because when you grow up in so here we come to like cult-ish kind of things. Yay! When you, when you grow up in... I love cults. ...in an experience where everybody believes the same thing, you don't really know that there's other stuff out there. And But in that sphere of everyone was around me was Catholic, and then there were a few Protestants, I never realized truly how much other stuff was out there. I always kind of thought our stuff was stupid. Like it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like I got why my dad was kind of devout. My mother was very questioning. Um, School for me wasn't really a religious experience. It was sort of like I had to take religion class and I had to go to CCD and it was kind of a drag. Central City Dump. Yes, Central City Dump. CCD. But um, I liked going roller skating afterwards with the CYO, Uh so there was that element to it. I I played acoustic guitar in my my church's youth group. We would do like the the teen masses instead of my guitar. I kind of liked teen stuff. Like I remember going with my friend who was Protestant. Um, I think she was Congregationalist, which are – they're pretty liberal – we went to um, Maine on a camping trip, and we had mass outside. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm like, I, 
I remember like doing retreats. Like we used to do the forty-hour fast, oh, where you geez. didn't eat for forty hours. So like you and we camped out in in St. Paul's School for like the weekend, and they did like all these things to like keep us entertained. And then like every few hours, you could have juice. You'd have like a juice break. But like yeah, the point was is that you weren't supposed to eat for forty hours That's to awful. like to under. Well, no, I mean you know it's to to understand hunger because you know. Very social justice Catholic sort of oh, thing, okay. and also I if you it did was it like purely religious thing. Like, well, it was yeah, it was yeah. I mean, well, teach fasting, you that you're sinners. Well, fasting is is a purely religious thing in and of itself. But you know, but but yeah, I mean, they would try to make it fun for us and have like you know all of these things. And I remember one year, and I swear to God, this happened. And and someone who was at that and my I think Michael I think Michael might have actually been at this forty hour fast with me that year. They had some guy come in with the Zapruder footage, the Kennedy what? assassination. And like he gave this presentation about how Lee Harvey Oswald didn't really he kill, was not the lone shooter. that he was not the lone shooter. And I'm like 16 years old, like, and he's showing this, like the Zapruder footage, like, wow. like on this, like reel to reel, like, you know, and like we're all sitting there and I don't think we were that hungry at that point. <laughs> But I swear to you, this happened. And, and you know what? I've never asked Michael. And, like, I see Michael all the time. And I'm going to have to be like, dude, do you remember the 40-hour fast when we were watching the Zapruder footage? Was I, like, just so hungry that I, like, hallucinated that? <laughs> because I swear, like, that that, that happened. Wow. That happened. Yeah. So, yeah, we did the – that, that was, like, the big teen thing at, at, in my – in my parish was the 40 hour fast and and you had to do it i did it twice maybe three times but definitely twice and because one of the it, it counted towards like you know your service for oh, when yeah. you got yeah. confirmed um so yeah cuz you know you had to do something my church you got confirmed in 5th grade wow i know i was yeah no i was in 10th grade no 5th grade I remember being like, Weird. I'm doing this, but... So, like, I right don't. after confession, because confession is fourth grade. Uh, no, you have to get confession before you can have communion. So, confession is That's... first grade. Wait a minute. And then you're, Wait a you minute. get communion, first communion, no, third communi grade. No, communion was second grade. Second grade. Because seven is the age of reason. <laughs> but I didn't get... I didn't do confession until fourth grade. I had communion first and then confession. Yeah, we had confession first because you had to... You had to be confessed before you could receive communion. I, well, maybe they just figured I didn't do anything wrong, even though I was seven <laughs> and knew right from wrong. I remember trying to come up with things to talk about in confession. Uh, me too. Me too. Like it was fourth grade and I was just like, I, I, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, well, obviously, you know, I had a potty mouth even back then. So like I could probably, I was just like, I said some bad words. And I think no. it was Father McGann. And Father McGann, like, later, like, married me and Kevin because we got married. <laughs> I got he married, married the same, someone. I was I like, got, no, 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 no. He married us. <laughs> he, he was, he officiated at, at our, at our wedding, which was, which was sort of like nominally Catholic, but it wasn't like the full mass. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was just like, well, you know, he was there at my communion. He gave me my first confession. Maybe he'll come out of retirement and, and do my wedding. And he did. He remembered me because he used to call me Mighty Mac. Oh. So, you know, like it's weird because, you know, with, with, with Catholicism, it's just such a complicated – if you grew up Catholic and, and you know, 
especially growing up where I did in Hingham, which was, you know, the home base for the Gagan, you know, mm, Gagan was yeah. there and um, another priest that also um, was went to jail. Um, and you know all of this, but, you know, there's still – it. Like I mean, I'm not I'm not what I would call a practicing Catholic anymore. But you know, I still know a lot about it. I still have, you know, good some some good memories about it. Um, even knowing you know how terrible the you know the hierarchy is and and the Vatican is. I mean, like I knew some genuinely good people in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's and and you know plus. I just I love the pomp and the ritual of it. I mean, like it's like a musical every Sunday, you know. <laughs> like everybody comes out in these flashy gold robes, and everybody stands and sings. And and you know, I, one of the things that I want to do for my horror podcast is um, is talk about the link, particularly Catholicism and horror. Yeah, I mean, when you think about, I mean, you know, the obvious stuff is is The Exorcist. But, you know, I think – and I need to do, like, more of, more of a deep dive. And I actually want to have a friend of mine um, who's also raised Catholic, uh, Chris Robichaud. He's, um, he's a professor at the uh, Kennedy School, and he does a lot of um, coursework on ethics and philosophy. Um, but he's also a huge horror and sci-fi fan. Yeah, and I remember yeah. one time we had this conversation about um, – horror and and how you know if you were brought up catholic in in a strange way like you're you're almost drawn to to horror movies yeah. Be, and, I, yeah. and i remember saying i'm just like if you had a copy of lives of the saints in your house yes i mean that stuff is like way more twisted and weird yes. than anything you're watching on creature double feature man yes. and there's also this uh there's um a propensity to believe in uh, supernatural, I yeah. think. Oh, sure. And that, like, that whole, like, good versus evil and evil being an unspecified, unseen force mm-hmm. that you could then put into demonic possession or the devil. Right, or right. That kind of stuff is very, I think that that's probably where my fandom of things related to horror is definitely comes from yeah but i always knew for me like catholicism didn't work it didn't work really early on it didn't make sense i remember being questioning of it Mm -hmm. and not getting sufficient answers and the answers i got i felt were very pat and trite and also exclusionary to the idea that there were other things out there that made more sense i haven't necessarily found them right um well then i ended up going to um a, a Catholic college, Benedictine. Um, I went to Catholic college too. Oh my god! I went to Boston College. Oh uh, yeah, you went to a real Catholic. College. <laughs> I went to St. Leo. Um, but um, you know, it's funny. And, and when I think, I think to you know, because I I went to Catholic school until seventh grade, and then I was in public school for junior high and high, and then I went to Catholic college. But when I think about you know, like all of like my some of the best science teachers I had were priests. Like seriously, like I mean, like I never, I never had like an, like a procreationism experience in 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 any of my um, classes where mm-hmm. they were headed by priests or or mm-hmm. brothers. 
um, very pro-science, very pro um, um, what's Darwin, Darwinism um, evolution evolution <laughs> Jesus the, the the drugs I'm on like sometimes I got like what's that word it, it like it actually I I don't know whether it's just because I'm getting older or but but actually one of the medications I'm on does affect word recall so I was just like you know Darwin Darwin evolution right yeah it's um I've so I had a similar but an opposite experience so I went to public school up until the age of um, eighth grade. And then in high school and in college, almost all my teachers were lay teachers. So the only Jesuits I had, um, I had brothers that taught religion and theology in high school. Mm -hmm. And then our principal was um, a priest. And then in college, again, the only teachers I had that were... um, Priests were Jesuits, and Jesuits are super way relaxed, um, yeah. hippie-ish kind of. Yeah, and, the and they Bene- taught, Benedictine was, yeah. a, was a little bit of, of that as well. And they taught theology, and they taught philosophy, and those were the – everyone else was – Oh, God. My biology professor in college was a Benedictine priest, a retired Benedictine priest who lived on like – lived on the campus like I think he lived in the monastery or something and he was from Jamaica he was like this wizened little Yoda guy um Father Damien (laughs) and the first class I I remember my friend John Wes and I were were in class and and I don't know how we managed to like take like an 8 30 in the morning biology class like how we got that how we put that on our schedule I have like I don't know how that happened but it's like 8 30 in the morning and we're in the class and and Father Damien comes in and he like slams his books down on the podium and looks all looks at all of us and and says I'm going to tell you what rabbits do in the middle of the night while you are sleeping <laughs> you will be scandalized <laughs> And he explains this whole thing, and, and you're you're a rabbit person, so maybe you can confirm this. But he's just like they reach around to their backside and they suck out whatever is there, and then they chew it up and they redigest it, and then it comes out as you know, you know, the the pellets that, mm-hmm. that you know. And like we're all just sitting there, like what the entire fuck? And then he's like, and it must be yummy, otherwise they wouldn't do it. <laughs> My, my rabbits that I had, we used to call those quick energy snacks. Right. <laughs> and it was it was not just at night. It was all throughout the day. And okay. you'd think, oh, is he cleaning? Oh, no, he's eating. Okay. <laughs> and then if you have a bonded pair, they eat each other's. They Poop. just take it yes. right out of the tap. All they, right. Sometimes out of the tap and sometimes they leave a little collection behind and then the other will come and go, hmm. Right. Okay. So and Father know, Damien was right. I mean, I had know no by reason smell to doubt the him. difference between... Real poop that's waste and poop that is edible again. Right. But they are of the same family of re- other animals that redigest. Well, it always, it like always comes back to poop and, with us. Yes. Oh, I love poop. Anything and, about uh, poop related. While you are sleeping, yes. you will be scandalized. It's a lot of poop eating. And then they would go like, <laughs> they would make like whole like little. <laughs> and they would do this thing with their mouth where they'd be like. <laughs> That was the best thing I ever just oh, ate. That's, Thank uh, you. that's mm. why he said it. it must mm. be yummy. Otherwise, they no, wouldn't no, no, do no, it. No. 
Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, but but it, yes, Benedictine, it, Catholic. It has a name to it, too. It's like they don't call it mm. scat because it's not actually waste product. It's not something you need to guano, redigest. Like, like bats? Yes, not guano. Hmm. And um, it uh, it would. If you picked it up, it was different Everybody than a regular poops. poop. Yes. Sometimes. Um, I know what I was going to ask you. Okay. How did you become – how were you – Drawn to being a performer. How was I drawn to being a performer? Um, I was trying to get like this. Hair I don't know. I don't know. Like I don't know that it, it's one of those things. Like like like. Well, how did I get into horror movies? It was just always there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, in the same way that you know, my 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 mom was. <laughs> extremely permissive in terms of like what I was allowed to watch so like that you know I just I never I don't remember like ever not being aware of horror movies it's the same thing I I don't remember ever not being aware that performing was a thing because Mm -hmm. um my my mom came from um a performing background she did a lot of like um light opera and things when and then my you know my dad um was a performer my dad actually was it arthur murray or fred astaire my dad actually taught like ballroom dance at one point when he was oh, still wow. in the air force yeah my dad's like my dad's a great dancer my dad is too um and so you know i i was born into you know a although it's weird because like in my family it's my immediate family we all have like performing experience my dad my mom my sister um my sister was actually on an episode of spencer for hire but wow as i say like who wasn't in spencer for hire i wasn't but (laughs) my sister was um my brother still acts um but you know yeah it was just something that was always there i mean i didn't actually start i didn't actually get up on stage myself um until I was in seventh grade, I think. But I mean, my sister and I were always like putting on like shows and stuff, you know, in in the in the yard, and and I was always like, and oh, I'm so upset about Peter Tork. But like one of my other things was like I always wanted to be like I would watch the monkeys, and I wanted yeah, to be too. I wanted to be in a band, like even before I wanted even before I wanted to do like like acting, I wanted to be in a band. I, so my younger experience, we were always putting on plays and singing and dancing. And in elementary school, I was always in the play. I could learn lines really quickly. And I enjoyed the experience, but I got to high school and whatever teen thing kicked in. And so I was always involved in the theater and in chorus, but Mm -hmm. I was behind the scenes. Uh, Well, you know, the behind the scenes people... Are just as important. I love the it, show. Doesn't go on without them. But that was definitely some of my thing. Like I was good with organizing. Oh yeah, well, because you you stage managed um um yes. uh, my show. Yeah, yes. and that's like yeah, you need bad somebody girls, bad upset girls by the upset truth. by the truth. You need somebody like organizing your shit because there's a certain point where. And I did that in college too, and I yeah, loved yeah. it. My sister did stage management, I think, a couple of times, and she was yeah, she was really. Because she's, like, super organized like that. I've come full circle, though. There's part of me, one of my my things for this year is I've done a few um, spoken words out where I'm performing my own work mm-hmm. or reading my own work. Um, I but I would like to do some storytelling. 
Yeah, I want to do the moth because, I mean, I, I did Mortified for a couple of years, and that was super fun. Um, that was me reading from, like, my high school, high school diaries and, and my <laughs> terrible poetry. And, and, and like, that was that was amazing. And, and that's still – Mortified is still going on. And um, Sarah Faith Alterman, um, I think, still does the Boston chapter – um, and yeah, I mean that show still goes on, and, and it's it was a it was an amazing experience, and I, I I think I'd like, I think I'd like to do the moth. Um, I, I I need to be writing more because I mean I've just I've been in such a a block, especially like the last couple of years, just because of you know the, you well I mean you know you know the personal things that have been going on, and 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 me trying to come out of some some trauma um, that resulted from that. But um, you might have some writing that comes out of that. Like, oh, once absolutely. You've been able to process. It. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, because, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, I, I've always written and I've had a blog for for years. I haven't. It's it's a little shameful that I haven't updated the blog in so long. Um, but I just feel like, you know, there's some stuff that I just need to sort of I need to clear out some wreckage mm-hmm. um, before I start writing again. But, yeah, I mean, I would uh, definitely. um thinking about like open mics and yeah the and group group that i've been looking at that i've definitely been stalking is mass mouth and they have a storytelling cl- class where they will you go through a couple of classes and they help prep you for the st- telling your story for the stage mm-hmm. and then the final class is a showcase but they work with um WGBH and then oh, stories wow. from the stage. So it's it's moth like, but it's not moth associated. Hmm. So yeah. But I have a friend, one of the women that I interviewed. I think she was my second or third interview. She actually got the audience favorite, and she's going to be on the GBH stories from the stage oh, in cool. a couple of weeks. So I need to like interview my mom. Yeah, oh, she'd be so much fun. My to mom. I mean, my mom's got like amazing stories. Um, you know, I, I've never, I've never actually asked my parents how they met. I mean, I know they met while they were in college. I've never actually asked them, like how they met you know like it, it's just never occurred to me that there was ever a point where they didn't know each other because they're just like so fused together in my mind i um, wonder if i could get um kevin and adam on to talk about malden but also they're um oh they just uh, yeah, they're both now fun. guys well, well kevin still has his dad i was gonna say yeah they both have lost parents but yeah um we Kevin's, still have Norm. Yeah, we still Kevin have Norm. Still has his dad. And you yeah. have both your parents. I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. Well, McColgan's and Flaherty's um, tend to to last a long time. And my parents, I mean, I always say with my dad, like you couldn't kill my dad with an axe. You know, he's just a tank. He's, you know, he's like six. I think he, I think he shrunk a little bit now. I think he's like six three. But like you know, he's still he's like he does all of his push ups every morning and he lifts weights and he's just you know like he had there was one scare there was one scare where he had to go in. Um, he and my mom had like his and her stress tests before they like went down to Florida or something because they live in Florida now. And my mom passed and my dad passed the test, the test not the stress test. Yes, yeah, passed the stress test, but. My dad didn't like they found something that they found like a blockage or something. And, and like everybody was shocked because, you know, my dad's just like, hail hearty marathon runner. Um, but so he he opted to have the surgery 
And it ended up having to be a triple bypass. Oh, geez. Um, and so, you know, we were just like, oh, well, thank God they found it and blah, 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 blah. So he came out and he was fine. And this was over at um, um, Brigham and Women's. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was working at the theater, so I was just down the street. So, yeah, everything was fine. Uh, so the next day um, – I can't remember if my mother called or like the doctor and asking if I was planning on on coming to visit and I was just like, well, yeah, I mean, because I'm I'm right down the street and I said, yeah, well, you might be it might be a good idea because your dad's you know your dad's not doing so great. I was just like, you know, like what? Uh, <laughs> so I get there, he's still in the ICU. Like the nurses all like hate him. Which is, like, so not like my dad because, like, you know, my dad charms everybody, like nurses, waitresses, everybody, everybody loves my dad. And he's, like, I can see him and he's just got, like, rage, like, roiling off of him. And my mom's sitting there, like, all, like, tight-lipped and, you know, like, white-knuckling her chair. And I'm, like, hey, dad, what's up? And And he's just, like they've gotten to your mother, they've gotten to your mother and, you know, and like, you know, the nurses would come by to, to bring him his meds and he was trying to like stuff them under the mattress and, and I'm just sitting there going like, what the fuck? And um, so like, he's just like, he's like, they you've been bamboozled you know they've gotten to you too and i'm like what what even are you talking about i'm like mom what is he talking about she's like i don't know <laughs> i don't know what the fuck he's talking about <laughs> so then my brother comes in my brother comes in he's holding a bottle of diet pepsi and my dad like 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 laser beams onto the diet pepsi bill bill where did you get that where did you get that and my brother says, uh, I brought it in from outside. And my dad was like, good, good. I need you to document everything you see here because they've oh, gotten geez. to your sister and your mother. And I was like, oh, my God. So, you know, I left and I went home and I like cried. I'm like, oh, my God, my dad has gone crazy. So the next day, my mom calls me at the office and she's just like, well, you know, they've moved your dad to a big boy room. You know, he's like out of the ICU. And I was like, okay, is he is he doing better? Oh, he's doing fine. He's got quite a story to tell you, you know. And so I get there and he's sitting there and he's fine. And, you know, he's eating and, and watching, you know, like CNN or whatever. And I'm like, hey, dad, you know, what's what's going on? And he's just like, I have to tell you, like, he, he came out, he came out of the surgery Initially, he was fine, but it was like coming out of the anesthesia and being on morphine. And my dad's like been sober for like, you know, decades. And like, you know, so like he's on the morphine drip and and coming out of anesthesia. And he this this is so and he remembers everything like clearly. And so basically he had convinced himself that the there was a surgeon on staff that accidentally murdered a patient, accidentally killed a patient on the table. And the staff at the hospital didn't want anyone to know about it. So they killed the surgeon and they took the surgeon's body and the patient's body and they disposed of the bodies in the station nightclub fire. Okay. And my and so like they knew that my dad knew and they were trying to kill him and they got and, and me and my mom were in on it because they'd like drugged the drinking water. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. And, like he's just like, and I absolutely believed all of this. I remember all of this. I'm like, yo, dad, my God, you're an accountant. And like, and like, I'm supposed to be like the one that's good at making shit up. I could never, <laughs> I know. never make up anything so insane in my life. Yeah. He may have also had a reaction to the anesthesia. Yeah. That, well, that's a, yeah, it. Was, it was the anesthesia yeah. Or, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically, I, I still have both my parents and they're, they're, you know, they're on Facebook. So if you're friends with me, you've, oh you've probably interacted so awesome. with, with at least my, I can't even imagine my mother. I have this like, um, my, so you, you, you know, my story with my parents, my, my dad is pretty healthy. He's just like very hearing impaired. So he gets like maybe a quarter of a, of the conversation mm-hmm. and then, my mom is still very sharp and articulate. However, she has a delusional disorder and dementia. Mm. So her um, conspiracy theories center around a real neighbor, but with imagined scenarios. Okay. So yeah. the real neighbor is a young woman in her early 20s. But according to my mother, she is a criminal mastermind. She has the ability of um, entering the basement window that nobody can actually open from the inside or the outside. Okay. She enters that nightly. She sells drugs just for fun in my parents' basement. basement. She also drills holes in a chair and plants bombs and then removes them before anyone can tell. Okay. She also has the ability to use sound recording equipment that my mother has claimed that she's sure is in the house. So your house is bugged. The house is bugged. Okay. And there's a lot of bombs placed along oh things. So she's got all sorts of like things and occasionally like, but she can have a very, very complex conversation with nuances and then we'll drop into weirdville where you're like where is this where is this part of the conversation going oh okay oh we've we've just derailed all right all right yeah now we're back in the in the basement with the with the with the drilled chairs and the the drugs but until she starts going along with it you're like it sounds fairly reasonable because she's very intelligent and articulate so she'll connect those thoughts those thoughts together in a weird way where you'll be like what? <laughs> what? But like you say, what's your birthday? She tells you, what's today's date? Who's the president? Wow. Like, so all the orienting questions they ask you when they're trying to determine yeah, if when you they, have when an they, issue. The, 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 yeah, what is it? No. The um, mass mental? Yes. I uh, can't remember because we used to have to um, take my mother-in-law to take that. and she. There's uh, a short portable uh, status questionnaire. There's the MOCA, which is the mental something yeah. test. And then there's um, one called the MEMC, which is MMSE. It's the field that I work in. I work at this insurance applications all day that have these things on them, mm. which makes me crazy because I'm always like, one of the questions they ask people is they need to draw a clock. Is it the draw, draw the clock? clock? Yep, yep. And then they score them on contour numbers and then the appropriate, whether they've gotten the hands and the appropriate time signature. Right. The other thing that they do is they ask them to copy a figure of a drawing that has two intersecting 
and connecting um, figures, and then they ask them to write a sentence. And the ones that are really chuffed at having to do the test write things like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Sometimes they'll write things like, I hate you. <laughs> and, or then there's other people who are just more pleasant. They're like, I love my wife. <laughs> And I, I always think, like, what would my mother write? She'd write, this is bullshit. <laughs> she believes that we are all not understanding what the situation of the threat is, the threat is in the yeah. home. Yeah. And that she's the only one that knows how to identify where the bombs are. Oh, my God. So, and my dad will just kind of, because of his lack of hearing, he'll just kind of roll with things. Yeah, and well, I mean, in a, a way, you sort of have to. I mean, when I was taking care of my mother-in-law, and she would, like, get angry at me because I just remember sitting across from the kitchen table from her, and she's just like, you never told me that my mother died. You never told me that my mother died. Nobody told me that, my, you know, when her mother died, like, you know, decades ago. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, what the, 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 I would just acknowledge and deflect. And that's what I would just tell people. And I tell people now, like, if you're dealing with a parent with dementia, acknowledge and deflect. Yeah. Like, don't argue with them. That just makes yes. them feel worse. Yes. You know, you have to have a toe in their reality. And it's like, you know, so I was just like, I'm so sorry that we didn't tell you. I'm so sorry. Oh, look, there's a cardinal in the backyard. You know, it's like acknowledge, yes. deflect, yes. acknowledge, deflect. And that's a that's a hard that's a hard thing when it's your parent when it's your parent yeah and also like this is this whole like my mother having a different explanation for things has been my whole life mm -hmm. so in my mother's it was my my dad and I have always joked like we call her the director for a reason because her sort of version of events has always been the overriding and overarching theme in the household mm -hmm. whether it was the truth or not it was always sort of the like lay of the land was what my mom believed about something. Mm -hmm. And having grown up in that now and and been out of it for a while, my brother and I used to joke like um, she got very conservatively political. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there could be possibly, you know, Thanksgiving dinner could be ruined if you mentioned Alec Baldwin or George Clooney. Oh, God. And so my brother and I would be like, Tell her that George Clooney used the recipe for that for the Thanksgiving turkey if you want to leave early because she'll ask you to leave quickly. George Clooney! <laughs> How dare... And, he, and, oh. I, and I used to say, like, you'd think she'd like him because he's very handsome. But, and he's Rosemary Clooney's nephew. Yeah, but no, you oh, know, she boy. doesn't like his politics. Oh, no. So no. we've come full circle. Yeah. Full circle. Full circle. So what, um, in a way of potentially, because I'm just checking some time, mm -hmm. um, any um, wrapping up thoughts that you'd like to share as we close out our conversation? Yeah, we were we just jumped all over the place. Yes, it was yeah, fun. But it was sort of like, you know, it's just sort of like us, you know, on the back porch anyway. Exactly. So, uh, when we, our favorite, one of my favorite memories, I'll just share this with you. Then, sure. As a way of wrapping up. Um, and one of my favorite, favorite memories is us sitting in the backyard having dinner. I'm not sure if the cleans were there or not. Oh. But we were um, 
re-remembering the holiday classic of Rudolph the red Nose Reindeer and the different toys in Toyland. <laughs> what a messed up show that is. Yeah, what messed up. Oh, my the God. The Land of Misfit Toys or the Island of Misfit We're Toys. on the Island of Misfit Toys. And we had... Um, no child wants to play with a Charlie. Charlie in a box. And then the, we had Herbie being, instead of, indep- I'd like, I want to be a dentist. Yeah. I'm going to be independent. We had him being, I'm codependent. I'm <laughs> codependent. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I just remember. It's like rewriting it. You know, I like, remember things coming out of our mouths and us like laughing hysterically. Oh, I know. I think Fiona was there and she was like, I don't have any idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, don't worry. We're ruining a childhood classic. We're just ruining all of them. Well, they're all messed up. And there was like some, there was a big kerfuffle about it because somebody, you know, like someone had said, you know, it's about, you know, they're bullying Rudolph and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, like, man, everybody knew that, you know, Santa's a dick in that one. Santa's a total dick. Santa's a dick. Yeah. And the whole thing about, well, we have to get the women back to Christmas town. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> Fuck you, Donner. They were the ones out there looking for you. <laughs> It's time to get the women back to Christmas and then, town. And then, you know, the Burl Ives. The Burl Ives snowman. Everybody what was that? He was, he was a creeper? No, it's just, oh, okay. just a Burl. Well, I mean. He wasn't you know, wearing any pants. Well, he wasn't wearing any pants. But, you know, but, but it's just Burl Ives. I just I think of him as, you know, he's, you know, like happy, cuddly Burl Ives. And, and then I think of him in, like, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Oh, yes. The, the mendacity, the mendacity speech yes. in that voice, mendacity. That's good. I think the one, I actually saw a Cat on a Hot Tin I have a guitar roof. named Burl Ives. Oh, you do? Yeah. The, um, the uh, other... Um, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I saw Charles Durning was the role that Burl Ives played. Huh. Pop, what's his name in Cat? Uh, what's the character's name? Papa something. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, Charles Durning played him. Oh, so interesting. He was. It was good casting. Hmm. Um, did Mendacity. You, uh, did, uh, so just for currency, did you watch the Oscars at all? Um, you know, I didn't. I was. I sort of followed along on Twitter. Um, we 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 don't really we we have Apple TV so like everything we watch tends to be like on Netflix or mm-hmm. Hulu and like I just don't I don't think to switch over to like regular television anymore mm-hmm. and I only seen a couple of the movies like I like to get caught up in what people are wearing definitely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so you know I did a little of that but I didn't I didn't watch them no I watched them and I am curious about people's reactions to who won Best Picture. I, I know that people are, uh, most of the people I know are, think that it's, that it was total bullshit. I saw Green Book. Okay. I liked Green Book. Do I think it should have won Best Picture? No. Mm-hmm. But then who else won Best Picture in years past? Things like Titanic, which I rooted for the iceberg. So do I think that Green Book is a treatise on race relations and historically accurate? No. Yeah. But I mean, just just given given the climate right now and – and given, you know, the, the Oscars so white tradition over, you know, the last few years, you know, that it, it just seemed 
It's a typical choice for them. It's, it's a totally typical yeah, choice. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a white savior. It's a white savior movie. Yes. And so, of course, it won. Um, yeah. I, I And that's also why Black Klansmen didn't win because mm. people have personal feelings or whatever about Spike Lee and, right. and him. And I think he's an incredibly talented person. I have not seen that movie and I would love to see it. And I'm sure it has way more to say about race in this country than Green Book. But Green Book was written by an Italian guy about his dad. Mm-hmm. That's what it was written about. It wasn't written... Uh, like uh, Dr. Shirley is an amazing character, but it really was the movie really wasn't about and, him. And he, yeah, and and he hadn't you know given them permission to do so, and they right. just went ahead and did it anyway. Right. Um, Supposedly they had so uh, a, it's, a nod or whatever, but it's the family problematic was not. for a lot of reasons. And but you also have um, Mahersha Ali. He won for his yep. role in that film. So he saw something in that story that he was wanting to participate in. Right. Then you have Octavia Spencer, who has produced it. So she saw something in that story that made her want to participate in it. And then you have Viggo Mortensen, who is like like pretty liberal guy, pretty socially yeah. aware guy. And he saw something in that story that made him want to participate in it. And having seen the movie, I got those different points of view. Mm-hmm. Again, did I think it was historically accurate and like a treatise on race relations? And did I think like like I felt like it was a little neatly wrapped up in the end as yeah. well? I mean, my feeling is like I, I'm just going to kind of stay out of – stay in my lane about that because I, I'm just, you know, I'm not educated or, you know – have the ex- the experience to to really talk about it, but I I am listening to what other people have to say about it. I'm curious to hear what other people say about it. I think having seen the film, I think I know what I knew what it was going in, and I knew what it was coming out. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I looked at it as an opportunity or as an. Et- for education, I think now the conversation around it definitely will be an opportunity for education. And I understand people's strong reactions to it. Mm-hmm. I just think that from my perspective on it, having seen it and watched it as a movie, I don't necessarily think – I think the criticism can be from any perspective, but I don't think that – it should have won Best Picture. I right. Don't, I don't know that that was right. That did it any favors. Right. Like if it, it could have been just as it was, mm-hmm. perhaps maybe that would have been enough for it. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I didn't watch the Oscar. <laughs> long story, too long. Didn't read. <laughs> didn't watch the Oscars. I hear you. Although I liked Billy Porter's outfit. Ah, uh, that was amazing. Oh my God, that was so good. And was it you that posted on Twitter, uh, Glenn Close's reaction? Oh yeah, yeah. I posted on Facebook. Yeah. Oh my Glenn, God. Like Glenn checking it out, going, "What the? Oh my God, that's amazing. You go and." <laughs> Loved Helen Mirren's dress. Yeah, Helen oh, Mirren. Helen Mirren was amazing. Yeah, she came out with Jason Momoa at one point, and even Adam was like, "Wow, look at the paws on that guy!" And I was like, "Oh, he is just majestic. He's yeah. like huge man with all those tattoos and hair and stuff, but he's just 
Helen Mirren is a hot dish. She really is. She's a hot dish. I aspire to her, be her when I'm older. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say thank you for coming on my oh, podcast. Thanks for having me on I hope podcast. this was a positive experience It was for a you. positive experience. And, and now, you know, I, I know where I'm going to be when I when I start doing mine. So. Yeah, you've gotten a glimpse of the basement. The basement and this and beautiful velvet painting. Sometimes when we wrap up my Hi Felicia podcast, my guest might say... Hi Felicia. Oh, bye Felicia. Bye Felicia. Bye Felicia. Hi Felicia. Bye Felicia. Thanks, Lisa McColgan. Thanks, Felicia Ryan.